Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I feel so blessed by your presence here tonight. I feel so blessed by your presence. You know, as we together enter into the sacred triduum, the one single liturgy that will take place over these next three days. My friends, it's good for us to be here. I recall a few days ago on Palm Sunday, Jesus entering this, into the city of Jerusalem. And he did so with this great celebration and there was this great jubilation all around him. Well, over the course of these next three days, this jubilation, this celebration, will turn into Jesus's humiliation before the whole world. And as we know, it will end, <laughs> this is the beautiful part about it, with the miracle of miracles. You know, as I mentioned on Sunday, I'm not all of you are here for eight o'clock mass on Sunday, but you know, on Sunday, the celebration which seems so festive turns into this unbelievable, I believe anyway, revelation of the Father's love for the world. This kenosis is a beautiful Greek word. Kenosis, say that. Kenosis. Get used to that word. It's just self-emptying. The kenosis of the Father is clearly revealed in His Son as Jesus mounts that donkey and comes into the city in great humility. You know? In fact, it's a self-emptying of them both. And tonight, we find ourselves in the upper room with Jesus. This is not just a story that happened 2,000 years ago. Let's, let us put ourselves and find ourselves in the upper room with Jesus and his closest disciples. Now, I want all of us, I want all of us to imagine ourselves right there with him. Right there with him. Hmm? On this night, Jesus gives us three immeasurably valuable gifts. He gives us the Eucharist. He gives us the priesthood. And he gives us the commandment of love. And each one, each one shows the Lord's deep love for you and me and invites us into, into love in the same way. As we think about this kenosis, this self-emptying, in the upper room we find another example of Jesus' self-emptying as he washes the feet of his disciples. I think this act of love explicitly expresses the humility of Jesus. He lowered himself. In other words, in coming down from heaven, not just kneeling down at the feet of it, in coming down from heaven, he lowered himself becoming a slave for us. You know, St. Paul's letter to the Philippians says, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. So in reality, God would become like a slave in order to wait on us in order to wait on you and me. He became a slave in order to wait on us, this deep expression of love. Now I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine 
God desiring to wait on you. Imagine that. God desiring to wait on you. This is what is happening. This is what is happening. God desiring to wait on you. Let's put this passage in, the, in, 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 in a historical context. You know, in ancient Palestine, foot washing was a job reserved for slaves. It was the most unpleasant and humiliating task there was. Now imagine you being there with Jesus in that room. So in taking off his robe, the word in, the, the used in Greek would mean that he laid down all of his clothes. In other words, he stripped himself voluntarily. And then wearing only a loincloth, he put a towel around him like a slave would do. And he washed their feet. Now, that foot washing is very different than what you're going to see later on. Because we know that during this time period, people wore sandals or went barefoot, right? And as they walked the roads, as they walked on the roads shared by herdsmen, driving their animals to the market and traders, moving their goods by ox and camel. Now imagine this, the dirt on these unpaved roads would have been blended with what? Dung. So even on a short walk, one's feet and sandals would have experienced this caking on of this filthy, smelly mix. Imagine that. That is what Jesus washed off his disciples' feet. This filthy, smelly mix. It's like going out and walking around in a cow pasture with no shoes on. That's what he washed off. So he literally took, the, took on the work of a slave. So we all know that this upper room event would also be a foreshadowing of what would come about the next day. Jesus, his humble service in giving his life as a ransom for the many. So in this beautiful event, again, it's important not to forget that this true dynamism of love expressed by Jesus is this beautiful movement, not just a movement, but a movement and humility of God himself. God humbling himself and coming down to earth in Jesus, then Jesus showing us the love of the Father, the love that will be poured out upon all humanity for its salvation from the cross. In this, Jesus expresses the meaning of his life. Jesus is living out his deepest identity. Now this gesture, obviously, threw the disciples off balance. I mean, how could Jesus their master and teacher and Lord, like, do something like this? Really? How could he lower himself to slave standards? Is he crazy? That must have been what they were thinking. But think about this. Jesus kneels before each one of them. Now imagine Jesus kneeling before you. Imagine that. Ask him to do that. Lord Jesus, come and kneel before me. Imagine him kneeling before you. 
before he kneels before each one of them, including Judas, the one that he knew would betray him. He even knelt before Judas to wash their feet because he wants to show his disciples and us that power is released through powerlessness. Power is released through the death of self. Power is released through giving one's life away. So he wants them to learn that the greatest is the least and the least is the greatest in the kingdom. He's teaching them. He's teaching them if, that if they are caught up in a worldly mindset of power and, and, and having these grand, these, these grand illusions of greatness, then they'll become powerless in the spiritual sense. Jesus tells Peter that if he does not agree to have his feet washed, then he will put himself outside of discipleship. And so Jesus is teaching them and us that to be part of this kingdom, they need to allow their sins to be washed away so that his love, his love can operate in them and work through them. But this would not be the end. This is not, would not be the end, you know. The humility of Jesus would also be displayed again at the table when he t where he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. This is a remembrance, do this in remembrance of me. He said in the same way also the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Obviously this is the institution of the Holy Eucharist. You know, in the, in the Blessed Sacrament, in this Holy Eucharist, we see the profound humility of Jesus. And this is probably something we don't think about too often. But here, once again, Jesus humbles himself to come among us in the most ordinary, in the form of the most, ordin of, of, of the most ordinary food. You know, when we think about it, bread, Bread is simple fare, right? It's simple fare. You know, un un unlike a, the, the tenderloin of a beef, like we all like that, right? Bread is always almost eaten as a side and hardly even noticed, right? It's simple fare. Yet this is how Jesus, this is how Jesus wanted to humble, to humbly remain with us in a little piece of bread. He became small. He became small for you and me. He became small for us. And this perhaps is the greatest example of self-effacing love. He became small for us. Why? He became small for us so that his power may be released to us. So that his power may be released to us. So here in the Eucharist, once again, Jesus kneels before us and gives himself freely and completely holding absolutely nothing back. Such, such beautiful humility.
You know, St. Teresa of Calcutta, St. Mother Teresa, she once said, the God whom the whole universe cannot contain contains himself in a small host. I mean, such humility. Our Lord's living with such humility. But it is only the pure of heart. In other words, those who are simple and humble of heart themselves who are able to see clearly that this is the way Jesus wished to remain with us until the end of the world. This is the way in which Jesus would continue, as John says, to love his own in the world and love us to the end and provide sustenance which allows you and me to lay down our lives and wash the feet of others. I don't know who said this, but it's a beautiful quote. If the mass is reduced to a ritual or just to an event that's supposed to make us feel good, then it is being used mainly for our personal satisfaction and consolation. Jesus did not give us the Eucharist to make us feel good. He wanted it to enable us to be good. You know, you and I, we've been given a mandatum, a mandate. It was at the end of the gospel tonight. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow so that as I have done for you, you should also do. My friends, if you and I are to imitate Jesus, then we too must practice every single day humility. We must ask Jesus every day, Lord Jesus, teach me humility, your humility, not what I think it is, your humility. The servant is not greater than the master. You know, Peter came around in the end in, the, in this thought process. So his response, Lord, you will never wash my feet. It was eventually transformed into Jesus, wash my feet daily in your love. This, too, should be our prayer daily, that the Lord Jesus kneels humbly before us to give us all that we need. Lord Jesus, kneel before me tomorrow and give me all that I need. But this is done every time we come to share in the Eucharist. Jesus kneels before us. He does. He kneels before us, before us and he gives us his complete self. And then at the end of Mass, we hear the words, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life, or go and announce the gospel. This mandate to go and make present in the world what Jesus has done for us, that's the mandate, that's your mandate, and it's mine. He has washed our feet. He has fed us with the bread that sustains us, and he has laid down his life for his friends. This too is our life as his disciples. So my friends, tonight as we continue our walk to Calvary and celebrate the love and humility of the great teacher and master, we also ask the Holy Spirit to transform tonight not only the bread and wine placed on this altar into the body and blood of Jesus, 
but we ask the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts so that we may become even greater disciples of his love. <laughs>